WHQR Public Media, this is the Newsroom. I'm Ben Schockman, and you're listening to a special edition for the 2023 Wilmington City Council election. On this show, an interview with Neil Anderson, a three-term incumbent who has served on Wilmington's City Council since 2011. He's a self-employed businessman who runs a sales management company for Hooker Furnishing. He was born and raised in High Point. He's been married for 27 years and has three kids. And while City Council is technically nonpartisan, Anderson is running with the support of the New Hanover County Republican Party. And we'll have links to Anderson's campaign website on the page for more information. We asked Anderson a host of questions, largely drawn from our community agenda, and we'll have info on the page about that as well. All right, Neil Anderson, incumbent uh, city councilman, thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. Look forward to it. Okay, so before we get into the questions we have from our newsroom and the community, I just want to start with um, what's the biggest issue or issues you think are facing Wilmington, and uh, and how would you tackle them? Well, uh, that's a uh, pretty open-ended question. I think the biggest challenges are, are pretty clear. We, we've experienced you know, 20 years, more or less, at least, well, let's say 13 years of just unprecedented continuous growth. So how do you know, trying to manage through that is a, uh, that's our challenge. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is a lot of people may have heard this before if they've been to some of the events we've had already surrounding the election, but I'd much rather be managing through the uh, successes and our wealth of successes and all and the challenges that come with growth versus, uh, you know, I travel a lot for a living in you know, eastern half of the state into Virginia, and there are a lot of cities and towns that are just in use with the decay. I, I don't. I'd much rather be doing what I'm doing here than managing that. Uh, I was in Rocky Mount last week. Uh, I think at one time we were about the same size. Not that long ago, prior to uh, hurricane that really took them out and since then they've had tons of people leave and just a totally it's just sad situation so those challenges obviously are infrastructure they're you know they're they're, how do we how do we grow with you know in terms of infill without it let you know trying to balance that with not letting it harm and hurt our our existing the the kind of the personality and the culture of our neighborhoods that are well established um those those things come top of mind, but whether it's stormwater, roads, uh, all that infrastructure, uh, I do have people. We're, we're involved, obviously, with water and sewer, but that is, you know, we've uh, some people get confused. We we are not uh, directly in that business anymore, but that's still a huge piece of the puzzle, for sure. So a lot of these questions are going to hew along those lines because mm-hmm. it's what we hear from the community. Sure. <laughs> Number one, this is not going to surprise you, is affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So that runs the gamut from you know, just above subsidized housing, just above public housing, all the way through people who are making 100, 120% of AMI, you know, nurses, uh, cops, firefighters, mm-hmm. teachers, reporters. Sure. <laughs> um, so, you know, rent has gone up around 50%, maybe a little more over the last two years. I just got to ask, you know, do you think the city is doing enough? Um, could it do anything different? Are you guys on the right track? How do you feel about this? I think we are on the right track. I think it's taken us a pretty good time, pretty good amount of time to get there. I think uh, also in the eyes of just the 
the general public, you know, kind of I think our our country's kind of based on this, uh, you know, property rights, free enterprise, capitalistic system. So when you I think a lot of it's taken a long time for people to get over the idea of even suggesting to a developer that, hey, you do the you know, you, you should be doing this one. But two, OK, yes, I should. But how do I do it? I don't do this for fun. You know, I want to have have some profit at the end of the day. So I think we're there. We're getting there now. We have a program in the code, you know, with you can get you know slightly more density if you do 10 percent, uh, 15 years. And that's at 80 percent AMI, AMI. And that's average median income. So we we and also terms, you, you use the word affordable and it, it, the terms get thrown all over the place. We call that workforce, and that would be more like you know, a teacher and a farm and living together, or you know, something along those lines. The the next level down is the sixty percent AMI, and that's I think what you're describing is kind of above where you're getting federal government assistance in most cases. And in those in those situations, we got to have grants. We've got to have other things, uh, you know, available and actually win them, or to in order to uh, help a developer to the point to where they can actually make a profit. Now, the biggest one of those that's on the you know, it's in the news still right now is the Starway project, and it just they're just with the limited amount of land we have. Uh, factoid for you: I mean, we're the second largest landmass county in the state. Um, I think it's Ash or somewhere up Avery, one of those up around Banner Elk. But anyway, so and we have water on two sides of us and wetlands on another and so we're really trapped in terms of land and that land just keeps going up we have unusual pressures on that cost of land with second homes uh retirees we're not just like greensboro or somewhere that it's just a different dynamic and that eats up a lot of the property and it also drives property up a lot of those folks i just mentioned are you know have you know developed you know they've they've saved have savings and they've been in the you know earning for decades and we're comparing it to a you know a 30 30 year old person or something so it's just different dynamics here i think we're on the right track i think one thing we did that was kind of low-hanging fruit was uh you know they have different names garage apartments for lack of a better term you know anything in our resident there were some r15 when i used to say residential uh districts you're gonna r15 r10 r5 there's just that's from larger lot size to smaller lot size. You're going to have <clears throat> now you can put in a, a garage apartment, whereas before it was limited to certain the, the size of the lot made a big different size of the house. It was a pretty complicated formula. So that's a way we saw. Uh, there's still a formula, it's just not as stringent or as difficult. But that was a way we saw to not to spread that out too. So, you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, having workforce or affordable housing and it's gonna be lumped in one area. And by doing that, it spreads out spread out the traffic, spreads it all across the city. Um, you know, how bit it'll probably take a while for that to, to really impact. But I do notice when people uh, driving down streets, seeing people building them in their backyard. And that can also be great for kind of the aging in place model where you, you know, maybe it's a rental now, maybe it's for your mother, father later, uh, your son, daughter comes back for a year, what have you. There's, it's just, I think that's a, that's a positive. Um, we're on the right track. I think it's, it's going to take, uh, we, we also looked into uh, trying to come up with a big a fund, if you will,
and had some legal, you know, talking. To, we've had a couple. We've had a couple lawyers in the last several years that run the, our city law attorneys. So uh, they have not been so helpful, or either maybe I guess I should just shouldn't put it like that. This this state has regs that kind of prevent it. So to your point, you know, we're down to I don't know what it is now two, three, four percent buildable land left in Wilmington. Right. Tons of pressures. We're up against, like you put it, a swamp and a river and the ocean. I think a lot of housing experts we've talked to say you need more units across the spectrum, everything from luxury apartments to to affordable housing. But where, you know, you need you have, you need density. You need maybe even to go vertical. But you know, where should that go? Well, I think a lot of things. A lot of times, you, you're just seeing the market work a little bit, and 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 that's not here is what's happening. Either, you know, they're going to Leland, they're going to Pender County. You know, uh, I think you're, you'll see a surge in the Burgall area over time. We're just getting to be a, a bigger city, and where we're used, to, you know, do I want our teachers and our police and firemen to live here? And I use them just as examples because we know ballpark salary. But there's tons of people all in that, in that, uh, in that, in that uh, income range. I want them to live here, obviously. But it's, you know, the, the economics of it make it difficult. I think the infill thing is it's. It's, some people hate the word. Some people don't understand it. But I mean, I think the the big rubs we've had are when we, you know, you look at like Oleander on the on the east side of uh, you know going towards the beach past college. You know, you had a lot of little homes on there, basically just on the single family huge lots. And those that was before we, the city was that was part of the city. So I think any land planner is going to tell you that's that's a great place for some density. Trouble is, all those through there, they all back up to single family. Whereas in a, in an ideal world, that would back up to you'd have like you know commercial, uh, multifamily. Then you'd have like condo, you know town. You'd bleed down in terms of your how dense you are. But we don't have that luxury, and you you bump up. You know somebody's got live music right behind somebody's house, and we it, it's going to be it's that makes it hard to manage. We get it. Um, and we try to do things to uh, buffer it, you know, uh, navigate that that set of problems. That's definitely something we we've heard we've heard from, you know, the um, the city's former planner that that was kind of a missing piece of this is that we don't have trouble finding people who want to build large multifamily apartment complexes. We don't have trouble finding people who want to fill build single family homes. Is there a way the city can incentivize those? those kinds of development that act as that kind of gradient, whether it's quadruplexes or duplexes or townhomes or stuff like that. You talk, talking about Glenn Harbeck, I think. Yeah. And Glenn, oh, yeah. Glenn was, um, Glenn was a visionary. I, I mean, we, sometimes I'm sure our developers thought he was a little ivory tower, but still he, you know, I, I think that was a positive and I think he's, he was, we need more of that. Um, I think, uh, our, our new, uh, planner, planning director is, is just about, on her feet completely, but I think she came from a totally different market, totally different part of the country. So trying to figure out, and I think uh, Glenn had a great example, and I, I won't be able to call the street, but it was 5th, 6th, 7th up through there. There was kind of the brownstone, if you will. If you've ever been to Richmond or Baltimore, you know, any of those older East Coast cities, you see those. And I think that's what he's talking, the walk-up, you know, kind of that kind of, we, we don't have that. And I think um, the zoning is now set for to do that. It's just then you bump into even folks that's going to go typically say in a 
that same area, Fifth Sixth Street. You're going to tear down four houses to build eight. And, you know, the neighbors just aren't going to like that either. So it, it, it's tough. I mean, NIMBY's real, you know, and it, but it's not always necessarily – you know, I, I hate the density. It's just I, I don't like change. Yeah. You know, it's just this is the way it's been. I, it, this is the way it should stay. You know, from my point of view, I see some through lines, whether it's redevelopment in the north side where people call it gentrification or the houses that were planned over there on Independence and Oleander where I don't think that that's not what people imagine when they say gentrification, but it is change, right? Right. And so one of the issues we hear from people, um, especially with the redevelopment that's on Castle Street, the Soda Pop District, um, the North Side is, you know, residents worried about getting priced out because good things are happening in the neighborhood. You know, fallow properties being rebuilt as commercial or mixed use. Does the city have a role there in trying to mitigate those impacts on the surrounding areas? Well, we take a role. Um, you know, we have a number of uh, hop loans, which is, you know, I don't even know the anachronism, but basically you're you're, you, we have two. One's for, for homeowner occupied. I think that's what the hop is. And the other one is is for rental. So we try to do things. To, what happens typically, you know, and you, you're probably more familiar with some of, some of the audience, but, you know, you have a old home that it, the decay starts because you just can't afford to put the roof on. The storm comes, and the, and the, the house just slowly, it just crumbles right underneath somebody. And that's, that's what makes it not affordable. It's, it's usually paid for a long time ago. These things are in the family forever, but they can't, up, they can't keep it up. And once they, it's kind of like once you pull the, a cork in one of the issues, all the others, you can't, it, it's just, it crumbles. And they, can't, they sell it because they, or they can't afford not to sell it. So that, that's a role we've taken. I think the other role that you would, you would look at there, well, how do we, how do we prevent that? I don't. I don't know because I've seen it happen in so many cities. I know what you're, people are saying. It may think of like Castle, think of that whole neighborhood you just mentioned. Like uh, what are we calling that? Cargo district. You know, it's driving driving the price up. Uh, I think one thing I was I was beating around the bush there because I could remember my point. Um, there is a uh, wills and there's churches. Some of the uh, churches downtown. I know uh, Pastor Barnett that is on the council with me. That is the biggest issue down there. We have a lot of properties that ends up. You drive, you drive by them, I drive by them. The reason they're falling apart is because, you know, the families all moved away. There's 14 um, different heirs, and you got to get 14 signatures, and you know, it's impossible without the will. And they're doing things like that. I think that's not government; that's the church. But still, it's it's it would be immensely helpful, and it would keep these folks from having to move out that are. Uh, or, or these houses that, are, that we see that are getting taken out by gentrification, some of them. The other two things we hear a lot when new developments come into a neighborhood is mm-hmm. traffic and tree cover. So these, I know these are two different right. issues. So let's go with tree cover first. Okay. Um, the city has done a lot in terms of the urban tree canopy. Do, do you feel like you guys are on the right track there, or should you be doing more? We just, you know, I didn't. I guess I didn't really see the sense in it, but I, I do now. We we just took a whole inventory, which you can if you can imagine that, and and kind of know our percentages and where our strengths are, and 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 where our weaknesses are, and where we've got you know some old trees that are not doing so well. Where we we as city long ago we even picked maybe the wrong species, you know, that wasn't suited for where they're located right by the street. A uh, great example would be. Uh, Market Street there um, near the the, um, na- the 
Naval Cemetery. So, the, yes, I think we, we uh, have a, a good tree program. I think what really, if you want to ask the question differently, is why are we clear-cutting? Yeah, sure. I mean, that. I mean, because if you look at, and I, I didn't understand it either. I grew up in the Piedmont. We have hills and terrain and all that. And water, you can, you know, on a site, you can kind of steer it. You design the site to steer the water to, to, to say, a, a pond, a stormwater pond or a drain or drainage or whatever. And here, I didn't understand. I remember the first time I really didn't understand it was out here at the point. I was kind of like, couldn't figure it out. Now, they were some, those were not massive beautiful trees but there were trees mostly just scrubby pines but still you just have a forest and it's gone so as i understand it from a development standpoint if if you grade too much you expose a tree root if you bring in too much too much fill and it covers the tree roots by six eight inches even a, or a foot it dies too so in a lot of cases here because we're so flat east of 95 and i'm sure people are going oh i don't believe that but the, but if you think about it, how else are you going to get the water to move in in a direction towards towards stormwater. Now I'll give you hope. A great example. They're close to each other. You got the point which they where they took out if all those trees, and then you come up the road just a little bit to like um, I'll forget the name of the, but it's where Henry's and Perry's Emporium and yeah, yeah. there's apartments across the street, and th- those I think they're about 20 years old, 25 years old, and they planted the trees that we. Uh, specified and, and then and it's pretty it looks pretty doggone good and we're much more uh, we our density requirement or our plant back if you will is much greater now than it was then so i think yeah patience but uh, also we can plant back we're very good at now about planting back trees that are suited for this environment we went through the everybody knows the pear tree oh, that, yeah. I mean, we've, we've been through some fads and we're really back in the what, what belongs here and i think that that helps too I, as a journalist, I've never received more angry emails than when, like, um, longleaf pines or especially oak trees get cut down and Bradford pears. Uh, yeah, well, so I, I, my point there was just we're, we're, very, we got, we're working with our tree commission. We've just gotten squared away there, I think, really well in terms of what to plant back. And we're also we're really hard on developers in terms of specimen trees. And those are just the, – the girth of the tree is what we're talking about, but that varies based on the species too. But uh, we, we'll just about force them to, to navigate around that. But smaller, we just we work with them on the plant back, and, and, and that's kind of been the route we've taken so far. But, I look – I get it, and uh, we we uh, most of our zonings. And we can stop that question if you want, but are conditional, and that's something I wish people in, in our market understood better. We we don't we rarely see just a straight up rezone anymore. A conditional zoning means a a, a developer has to bring in a a full set of plans, elevations, plantings, everything, and we can sit there and work with them and. The neighbors around them. Hey, I want the lighting to be lower level. I don't like where the dumpster is. You know, we can we can really try to make the thing work well in, in its in the, the environment that surrounds it. Yeah, I think people are still mad. I still get emails about the oak trees at the Galleria. But I, to your point, I think the city. Oh yeah, <laughs> with um, when uh, Jeff Kenner was Jeff trying Kenner. to do his project there. But I, from what I have seen, well, the Sappho city- saved the ones. Bill saved the ones on the tree on the on the street with a phone call i think they were headed they're walking over there so. i was told that they were they were next so. i think they had the orange spray paint on yeah them. so um all right so but to your point i think the city has a closer eye on that yes reason. sir sure right. here's a tougher one 
traffic. Yeah. Uh, I, I serve on the Wilmington MPO. I, I lose track. I, I'm not a big dater of things, but I'd say it's been about four years. And which, is, for people that don't know, that's the Metropolitan Planning Organization. And then you say, well, what is that? The North Carolina DOT, that's that we're I serve on a board that's the link to the North Carolina DOT for our our area and it has elected officials from Wrightsville Beach all the all the, the cities all the towns in in uh, in New Hanover county commissioners Pender county commissioners several representatives from Brunswick County and we try to prioritize sometimes I don't know how much say so we really have but um we at least go through the exercise it seems they listen some uh, a fair amount of the time as to what our priorities are. But I think there's good good ba- good news and bad news with the DOT is I do recall a time when I was a bit younger that it was it was all about who had the strongest politician. And what's and that's gone away. I'm sure there's some politics in there, a small percentage of everything, but they everything's data driven now, uh, which is good cuz you know you you like to know you're on an equal footing with Raleigh or or Charlotte. But the uh, the negative of that is it's, it, it follows. So it's, it's it's not a leading. You know they want to see the the thing has to score terrible in order for them to get their eyes on it. And so that good news for us is ours have gotten bad enough. We're on the radar. I mean we have had. Uh, I'm not sure when the bridge was built over um, Market, but we've had one overpass for I don't know. It's been at least 40 years I would think. And now we're about we're about to open the second one up at the end of the month up there at military and we have seven more coming between 2033 so it it you know it will correct uh, it's going to be painful guys i'm telling you to get getting there but a lot of orange barrels a lot of frustration but uh, you know 10 years from now we're gonna be sitting there you won't be sitting at a light at military in eastwood anymore um Bad news is the one intersection that's left out to this point, and everybody's going to say, how is that possible? But it's Oleandern College. But the rest, every one of the other ones that you can point your finger to are going to be fixed and be more or less continuous flow. Uh, but it's like anything else. Then another – it's going to be a little whack-a-mole here. You know, all of a sudden this one's going to pop up. And that we – did, you know, another intersection that now you think is fine. And uh, as things as things change, at the traffic change, and I would say lastly, uh, gone on too long, but in traffic, we've you know river lights went through a, a, a stage 08, you know, and around that Great Recession, I guess, where it just kind of really slowed down, and it didn't, you know, it was like I don't know if some of the developers were even going to make it through all that down there, and now it's it's really growing. So that that piece over there on Independence Boulevard is really high on our radar between uh, Carolina Beach and River. Uh, just so much develop. That's our biggest undeveloped area, and it's really starting to get some pressure. So that's really that's top of mind uh, the next time we go out for a bond. And um, I'll, I'll save the time of having to go through the whole history that we'll have links to everything that the city and WMPO has said to DOT about the Cape Fear Memorial Bridge. I know that is not your decision. No, it's not our decision. I think our only decision there has been so far as do we do we green light tolling is even just a consideration. So that has been the, you know, they want us to say yes, basically. And they've even kind of leaned on us to say, you know, your picture of it may be different than, you know, it may be a small toll. But, you know, I guess we've taken the stance so far that, you know, why should we be told – 
it's an existing bridge. It's not a new bridge. If you think of the toll tolling they're doing around the south side of Raleigh, it's the endless project. Um, that's a new road. We're not replacing an existing main corridor. When they did Capitol Boulevard in Raleigh, it's, it's not a toll. You know, when they've done a lot of, you know, in Charlotte, they when they widen search streets, they, there's no toll comes with it. So I, I'm just of the opinion we, we pay the same uh, taxes uh, that everybody else. And, the, and again, I think that thing start it's blasting up the score, up the little score sheet. And, uh, you know, I think um, they and also their repairs are, are getting higher and higher and it's starting to get really, they've acquired, started, they've acquired some land that was a, that was a large residential pro mix, slightly mixed residential process project by the river. And they saw that about to happen and they bought it. So that tells me it may be on their radar a little more than we know. I just think um, the height of it, makes it really expensive to be we want a fixed bridge and we want it uh, you know to, for the future so we really want six lanes and we want pedestrian and you know basically we, we want the what we used, people used to say the cadillac yeah but uh they didn't cheap and i and i one thing i'm i'm margaret and i've worked on especially with the, all these overpasses i mentioned and i say margaret miss haynes she's on the council all the council members are behind it. We've just kind of really pushed the – trying to make them aesthetically pleasing too. So you'll see the one at military. I don't believe the, – the, the state takes it to a certain level, and then they, it's just basic. And you, if you want to make it nicer, the local community, the local taxpayers or governments have to jump in. So we've been putting money aside for several years, 10, 15 years, 10, not 15, 10, probably 10 years to make when those things go up to put nice brick facades on them, put nice lighting, nice railing, so we don't look like just a uh, you know basic concrete jungle. And I think we're going to have to do the same with that. And the reason I was bringing that up is we're going to have to do that with the memorial replacement bridge as well. Everybody's used to. I mean, most people probably wouldn't say our bridge is very very pretty, but it's pretty to us because it's a symbol of our our city. And I you know I think we all want a bridge that doesn't just look like where is that. You know, you, it's just any old highway bridge. We want to add something to it, um, some architectural detail of some kind, just to say, oh, that's Wilmington. So I think that's where the, the local governments are really going to have to come in. That's a good point. I do hear that a lot about people wanting, if they can't save that iconic bridge, something iconic. Right. Just yeah. something, again, that's, you know, you've, over time, it take a little while, but that's the Wilmington Bridge. I mean, I, I can tell you St. Augustine right now. I can tell you Charleston right now. I can tell you the James River on I-95. It's They're just, you can recognize them. Another part of this traffic issue that isn't the roads is WAVE, is public transit. Mm -hmm. um, there is, as I understand it, a budget shortfall coming in the next couple of years. I mean, what's, what <laughs> is your view of what's going on with WAVE? That one, I've never served on WAVE, but uh, on that, on that uh, board, but... Um, it just seems to be one of those things where there's – it's a little bit like I think you and I were talking beforehand, and everybody's aware of this. There's kind of two camps these days on most every issue, and there ain't a whole lot of middle. And that's where, you know, if it's – you'll have one camp say, if it can't pay for itself, we're not doing it. And then you got the other side that's looking out for the, you know, the greater good of some folks can't afford a car or can't – you know, they need to be able to get to uh, the grocery store, to work, to mess. And so it's just – that's the trouble. There's no middle on that thing. and it, But if you look at every other, at least everyone I know of, uh, public transit, it, need, it has to be subsidized. And so 
I'm hoping that over time with just like uh, we talked about uh, for workforce housing, uh, everybody seems to be really coming around to that. But there's been a I don't I don't know that it was a, an organized effort, but it has been a concerted everybody kind of getting on the same hymn sheet uh, or song sheet or whatever that old saying is. <laughs> anyway, I think that right now is 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 there's still a fight to be had there. Um, so far, the city's really kind of rescued it every time. Uh, the county, well, we got some, uh, what was it, one of the big federal programs during COVID helped out. Yeah. But um, to help with replacing the buses. And we hear, you know, the buses are empty. The one that's working really well is the Seahawks shuttle. It's just, I mean, we and, and think that is, it's so positive. Those kids, think how many cars, that school keeps getting bigger. And keeping as many of those folks off the roads, and you think about we go to a lot of our people, you know, citizens go to work for you know six, seven, eight hours at a time. They be coming and going every hour and a half, so that's a lot of traffic. That's a super positive, but I think it speaks to the issue of why the other is is so much in the hole is there's just not enough concentration of of where where people want to go, and where they're coming from, and where they want to go. I think that's starting to change. I've tried to. Going back to our point planning director, he talked about developing nodes. I remember when people were getting mad because we had too many grocery stores, which I didn't understand why. Was, the government's not risking any money there. It's just, you know that's private people. So uh, the point was the idea was for you to have a you know kind of a, a basic grocery store, maybe you have a budget grocery store and a high end near your house, so you aren't the traffic. So you. But what that's also created is your, your, your businesses are, I think of a, a great example is 17th and college. You're starting to see a, there's a bank there. You're starting to see not just services, but people that work there. And there's a veterinarian office and et cetera. And what happens is it's a lot easier to run bus routes. My point is when there's congregated areas, designated nodes for them to drop off and they can, and you're going to have more people get off versus one person every quarter mile it just doesn't seem to work and you can't run the system very well uh on a regularity but we're really we're my i guess long story short there is we're getting to a as our density grows that that will be a that will be a better option for people and it'll also probably make it uh less subsidized i don't think it'll ever be more subsidized between now and then do you think the city will have to bail it out again um I don't see any. Other, I mean, I don't see any other way. Yeah. I mean, you're just going to have to either or that or cut. Right. I mean, we've we've gone back and forth on that, and the county's on that board too. So, so you know, they whether they help or not will matter. Uh, but we've we've tried to like crazy to use all. You know, you as you would think. There's so many better, easier ways for computer. And everybody talks about AI. Maybe it'll solve it. But um, you know that to find a way to make it more efficient, to, to create routes that will work better. And so you either have to kind of bail it out or you have to cut. And so far we've done a little of both. And in some cases with the cuts, we've really just, we've tried to um, fine tune things, kind of cut. We've unfortunately cut some routes that, you know, out like down to the, to uh, pleasure, pleasure Island and at times and it's back and forth, but that's your options. You know, you can either, you know, worry, worry. I mean, there is conversation. The county has is using. Um, they have to as a part of their social services safety net kind of thing. Is they 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 will pick people. They have to get people to to the 
to uh, their doctor or to the hospital, what have you, for their their appointments. And they've been experimenting. Or, and it, I don't. Again, I'm I'm speaking a little out of school here, but it sounded like it was going pretty good in terms of it's it's, it's not an Uber, but it's similar type setup. I don't know if they can do that citywide, but it's it's you know it's. I don't know what the, how the cost would look, but it's certainly worth comparing. It's certainly worth exploring. Um, I, I'm not sold on it, but heck, I you know I get surprised all the time. This one won't surprise you. We've heard a lot about it over the last year, and the city has been taking steps to address this, but it's become very visible downtown, and that's the homelessness mm-hmm. issue. Okay. I mean, do you feel like the city is getting credit for what it's doing? Is it not doing enough? Homelessness, you know, I, I that's, it's hard to get your arms around it because I think there's so many different types of homeless people. Because uh, you, I, there's people that just need a little help, um, and then there's people that are, you know, just long term, forever, just kind of almost become it's how they live. Um, and I think you can draw a line almost back and I don't be able to name the year but it was I want to say around 2010 11 really cut out uh, a lot of the some of the mental health situation from it from the state level and and I think that's been a big part of it um but so does the city get in that business that's not our lane if it's anybody's lane it's the counties they they do for those that don't know they do social service stuff cities we're further down the line. They, they, they carry they carry heavier weight than than we do at the county. So, are we doing we're doing all so many th- different things to try to address it? I mean, we work with Shepherd, you know, and that's a government kind of assisted kind of plan. We've been blessed with Eden Village. If you don't know what that is, you ought to just check it out. Um, local doctor and his wife basically just put it on their shoulders and have opened a little different kind of scenario where you have to pay to stay and and it's not a in and out thing they like for you to stay there for the rest of your life um which is it's just nice to have these different options and different ways to go like we just gave we had a fire station on college road which we just gave to um good shepherd and so we're working on it in lots of different ways but I, i it's still been growing um now, is that some would say, you know, and this that that's because we're too too receptive, and we have people moving here to be that I don't know how the word gets out, but it, you know, but, but that the word's out that we we are receptive to it. Do we want to be receptive to it? I don't know. Some people would say no, you know, and we've already got a, a big enough problem. So I'd like to find out. That does it does concern me that there's an encampment, if you will, for lack of a better term. Uh, at uh, right now, it was under the Lemon Bridge and by the library, and we, that finally got the state DOT to kind of that was their property, not the city's. To, so they go through a very lengthy process, legal, et cetera, to, and and they were moved. And and the biggest one I'm aware of right now is at Carr and King, and I think uh, there's some private land there, and they finally trespassed it, but they're on DOT land again. It's almost like <laughs> no, nowhere it is. Um, and that's going through a process. And I don't mean to say we need to, uh, to, run, to, to run folks off, but I also worry that the encampment kind of set up where it becomes a, a whole full-scale village does attract people from elsewhere. Because I've noticed the more I drive by there, there's more and more cars. 
There's more and more. There's actual campers. It's not a the lean-to uh, tarp tent thing that we've been used to. There's there's something different going on, and uh, I don't know that we want that to happen. And I and I know as soon as we break that up, they're going to spread out. But you know, at, on some level, you have to just try to be understanding that there's something going on there, and we need to try to help. Whether that's mental mental health, whether that's uh, drugs are just, you know, just short-term bad luck. Um, so I, I try to keep an open mind about it, but I, I am kind of uh, averse to, to letting these full-scale kind of villages get set up. So do you, I mean, just shortly, do you think there's anything the city needs to do differently or just continue to try I and think we've got to keep, I think, again, we're, we're kind of on the path, but we also have to, I'll go back to this, and I, I'm not trying to shirk it. I'm just telling you that what what kind of taxes do we want to pay? Is what it boils down to. Because a lot of times you you got a polit- you got politicians for lack of a better term in Raleigh, legislators in Raleigh, not the current ones. Uh, they may or may not have done the same thing. But when you nix huge mental programs, and mental and uh, uh, mental health programs and, and hospitals, and you just flood people out, what, what do you what do you think is going to happen? Where are they going to go? How are they going to and so that just really, they can say, we cut taxes by doing that, and they get elected. Well, where does that go? It just goes downhill. It goes to either the county or the city to try to solve. They cut the taxes in Raleigh. Well, if we're going to pay for it, we've got to come up with more tax money. So it's a balance. Do we, once you get out of your lane, I think a lot of times the federal government and the state government want you to get out of your lane and take over these jobs. And, and so they can, still, like I said, point to, I lowered your taxes. No, you didn't. You just made up local taxes, or you made our life, or, or you made quality of life, or, or, or you, you just see this homeless population. That's one of them. I could talk about roads and other 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 things that have been cut at the other level, and it seems like they're just dying for the counties or cities to get involved. And on some level, we've waded into it, and uh, you know, at some point, you wade into it much more. It's going there's going to be a cost, and I'm not saying. Our citizens may be fine with that cost. They might not, but we, we all have to have come to terms with it. You can't say we're going to go out and make a dent in this thing without some real money. Last issue I hear, and it's, it's kind of related to this because we're talking about law enforcement a lot, having to deal with folks downtown. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that this you know, has been a stress on the police department, which is dealing with staffing stuff. Do you, do you feel like the police department is doing an okay job of recruiting and retaining officers because well, that that's probably the number one concern i hear about well i mean the, that's a little overblown because i even even before uh you know the summer of 20 and and all the protests and so forth which was a big it, it was that's what we kind of making our way back from if you will a little bit it's part of it but before that we were when chief evangelist was here we were still short I mean, it's a tough job for the amount of money you make. I mean, you've got to kind of have it in your blood, so to speak, or have it in your heart, or just that's what I've always wanted. You know, the little boy or girl that said, I want to be a, a policeman and policewoman, and they they didn't change. You know, they said, I still want to be one. You know, I want to be a, I still want to be a cowboy, but I'm not, uh, obviously. But my point is, you've got to really have a burning desire to do it. So we've always had a little bit of, a, of a turnover. Uh, I think the old police force, if you will, for lack of a better term, there was a huge amount of turnover to people that lasted for full career. And our biggest issue for a while was 
basically trying to um, we'd get a, a class through, and that you know when we're ready to go, and all of a sudden you know they get called from Curie Beach paying two thousand dollars more a year, which doesn't sound like much to you and me, but that, or some people maybe were listening to us, and I should say, but they'll jump at that, and plus. How many, uh, you know, gang shootings are at Curie Beach? You know, so uh, safer, more money, you know. So we were kind of becoming a training ground, if you will. Uh, so we've we've tried financially, we've tried to make those, uh, them not wait so long for a raise. And, and that's starting to work. I think the, the big issue was we had, you know, coming out of uh, summer of 20 there with, you know, the Black Lives Matter, all the protests and so forth. I think that was, you know, I think it's probably well documented here. I'm sure, like, do we, you know, defund? And, you know, I think there was some 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 guys and gals that may have gone into policing or even left just because it's like they don't respect me or I'm not, you know, the, it's not what I the job I thought it was. or So that, that's that been a challenge, and that, we're starting to overcome that too. So I think we're getting really close to what you would say full – full force because you're always going to have a few because your retirements etc and we do them in classes we don't hire people like one at a time i don't know what a full class is but it's like a dozen 20 people so it's we'll go 20 we'll go without 12 till we get you know till we can do a full class so you got that but i think some of that conversation that happened around defund i think it was the wrong term in my book anyway i I don't want to defund the police in any way shape or form but I, i do think maybe you start recruiting people with some different skill sets, you know, in order to that maybe are, and, and we've done that. We're partnering now. We haven't recruited them, but we're partnering with other organizations. We have a, a gang task, not gang, homeless task force, pardon me, very different, um, uh, that goes out and there's kind of a, there's kind of a mental health type person. There's a policeman. There's usually somebody that can really help with social services, kind of point them in the direction. If they if they kind of want help, that they can steer them. That's been working pretty well. They've also started to build rapport with 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 a lot of the homeless folks. Whereas before it was kind of like I don't say anything, I just move along. You're starting to, and the more you build conversation, and the more that you, you it's really similar to like the neighborhood pleasing concept, but except it. The it's the one of the main fellows on it's one of the chaplains at the police force. So he's working in tandem with people that are trained more to to work with people. Not everybody's homeless that is mentally ill. Don't hear that, but there are a fair amount. That's for sure. So you've got someone with mental health, and you've got someone with a just a library of resources that we offer here if somebody's ready and willing. So I think we've we're adapting, and that's not been around that long. It really started right. I, I'll, I'll miss it, but, you know, nine months ago, a year ago at the most. So I think that's positive. We, we, we see that, you know, a guy that's, that's trained in the old-fashioned school of policing, you can see how, they, you know, they would rub head, you know, rub with a homeless person or a panhandler. You know, they, they're, they're, they're getting pulled on one, one side by the business owner. Can you get them out in front of my business? They're hurting my business. And then – the law says they can, as long as they're not impeding the sidewalk, they can stay there. Well, you, the policeman's put right in the middle. You know, what, what, what they do? That's a tough spot to be in. So we're trying uh, all. We're looking at 
ex- that that example came from another area, and I won't be able to call where it is. But there's always, you know, just like in anything, business or whatever, you, we're constantly looking as a city to other peer cities and even not our peer cities for different examples. Like our opioid ta- our opioid task force is a model of it's a similar type setup. There's just more people involved when you find someone that. Uh, the ODs or whatever the proper terminology is these days, you know, that that comes with all the different uh, avenues of assistance, immediate, long-term, et cetera. And ours is, we, is a, uh, we're the model there, which is kind of fun for once instead of following, trying to find a model. Long-winded answer to say uh, homeless are going to be with us. Uh, I think I don't see an end to it. We just got to keep trying uh, different innovative ways to try to to, to get folks uh, sheltered. Yeah, and and sort of short answer to the second part of that question is, you don't have really extreme concerns about staffing at the Bloomington Police Department. You feel like that's on the right unless track. I have unless I'm unaware of something. No, I do not. Uh, I, I mean, the last report we got, heck, crimes crime was a you know I know we had a little string of shootings there a couple weeks ago. But and this report was right before that. But it was a low. Our lowest serious part one crime was low as uh, 2009. I have to go back that far to get to that rate. And considering the growth between 2009 and now, that's uh, a pretty strong statement. All right. All right. This is the last question. I promise. Okay. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. Um, and this is about economic development. Yes. Uh, you know, over the last, and this is you've had three terms on council, so you've seen uh, plenty of economic development money go through the city. Yes. Do you feel good about the kinds of jobs that those programs are bringing in? Would you like to see different kinds of businesses incentivized? What are your thoughts on on that? You know, you say I've seen a lot. I don't I don't feel like we have. You know, I'd love to have more. I mean, I don't mean that I don't mean I'd like to give away more money. I I'd like to be give seeing more jobs. Um and and those and the and we say giveaways the wrong term. Everything we've ever done has been a clawback situation where they have to meet goals, whether that's, uh, you know, they'll, they're building a building and it's going to be worth and we're putting that this much and we're going to put that on the tax rolls and they got to reach this number of employees at this rate of pay. So we don't ever just strike somebody a check. In fact, we don't strike one many, a lot of times for two, five, ten years. And usually they are staggered, something like that. And we haven't had enough of them. I would, sure, I would love to see, you know, I remember um, not that long ago, um, oh my gosh! It's the wallboard plant down here on um, River Road. Oh yeah, um, National Gypsum. National Gypsum, which had been here, I think, and I'll get my dates wrong, but it had been here like forty years, and then it it, it closed. I think in '07, right around we already talked about kind of that the low point in the economy, and wanted to reopen, and here we are needing that type of job more than any jo- anything. You know, it's a good, dependable job that that's not. Doesn't fall in the I don't know where where people draw the line with the dirty job, you know, dirty industry or what have you, and here's here's a product we all use. It's I'm looking at it on three walls right now, and there was a big push back, and I you know another local politician started that up. We won't get into that, <laughs> but anyway, um, I was so glad to see those jobs. Those were you know good good uh, a good job for someone that you know. Not necessarily college educated, but good jobs, sixty, seventy thousand dollars jobs, dependable, going to be there. So, 
that's another balance. You know, we seem to have people, you know, that is a lot of things we've talked about. Can't afford a home, you know, gangs, drugs, all that comes. Do I have a good way to make a living? You know, and if if there's a hope, is there hope? Is there is there a bright future for me if I if I if I kind of stay on the path, or if you will, for lack of a better term? And if we don't have if they don't have the jobs, that's what, what you get. You, you get crime. You get you can't afford a home. So we need more of those. I was struck um last uh, two weeks ago, I think. We had a, a, a ribbon cutting out here on River Road. I mean, on, I'm sorry, out here on Highway 421. And I'll get this wrong. Casa Bomber, Casa Bomber, something like that. It's a German company. And they're building a massive facility. <laughs> and then it turns out they're only going to really need 15 people. So, but it goes to kind of like our, unfortunately, that's what our economy is. It, it, this is assembly and distribution, not manufacturing. If the manufacturing, which is here, that's everything working together, the port, uh, I'll get the 421 corridor, if you don't know, started, we started around 2011, 2010, uh, discussing putting, uh, uh, laying um, water and sewer over there. And along about not too long after that, the, the, the coal plant shut down and we, we got natural gas over there. So we were told if you had natural gas, water, and sewer, that corridor would develop. And we're really, everybody's been you know, waiting. <laughs> When's this going to happen? And it's starting to happen. But the trouble is a lot of those big buildings, it just doesn't take as many people. Those jobs at Kessler are going to be good. There's just 15 of them. We need 1,500. You know, but that's, that's true manufacturing. And that's just, we don't have a whole lot of that coming to our country because of our wages and everybody knows that whole story. But, um, that was just an eye opener to me. You know, you, you you work hard to get someone to come. We did get the the two two of their divisions, their C suite, which I don't think we've gotten many in executive uh, C suite folks move here in a long time. That's a positive. Um, it's a positive period. But I'm just saying, when you sit there and go to it and you think, look at this, you know, the drawings and it's going to be massive. It's just 15. So, being near the port, we're going to get a lot of that distribution. Going to be big buildings, but it isn't going to have as many employers. So. Uh, you know, I'm hopeful, you know, something, uh, you know, comes along in, in that. Uh, and I think we've got a great, they mentioned Cape Fear Community College. They mentioned UNCW. So I think of what's going on at our community college in high school. My kids have the start. I've had two graduate from Hanover and one there now. And th- when my oldest started, they didn't really have a, anything outside of college track. And then they've open that out there and I, everything I hear it's going great whether it's the linesmen or truck driving and you know HVAC or where you you're it was we were banging our heads against the wall we got people that weren't going to college but they were going junior senior year and going to college classes so I, my point is I think we're gra- we're starting to educate a, a much more hireable workforce here even coming out of high school so I think that's that's a positive that's just coming from uh, you know the ground up not bringing somebody in i'm not sure if i answered your question but <laughs> i think i think you got to it um you shot around it and then i think you hit it a couple times but that's, that's my basic question was that yeah do you you know you'd like to see maybe more economic development incentives that are actually generating more jobs well the incentives come when, when we were get somebody interested in here or recruit here you know yeah. we, we don't just hang them out because they're all different each each person will have a a different need to make it 
work. Um, you know, I, I think of, and we haven't had this opportunity, but I remember when everybody just kind of, uh, this is going to age me, date me, whatever the word is. Uh, when BMW got paid, given the incentives to move to Greenville, South Carolina, uh, if you hadn't been there, it, it's unbelievable. It's a renaissance. I mean, it's like it was a sleepy little place, and they gave the incentive to the to the the mothership. Well, guess what? The windshield wiper factory, the tire factory, the air condition, all their suppliers open. They didn't get any incentive. So it's just a you know we. I remember Continental Tire. They were Caterpillar. I can't remember when I first moved here. Or maybe it was around two thousand eight nine. That was. That was uh, dangled, but I think they were really going somewhere else. It gave bigger incentives. I'm not not here to give incentives. I just if, if something comes along, we need to look at it and find a way to make try to to get them to land here and and uh, uh, you know become a Wilmington based company or area. The area we I got to think of things in the area too. I don't just think of Wilmington. I think of our five county region. If we land a good employer for those good middle class jobs, that's what we need. All right. Well, Councilman Neil Anderson, thank you so much for your time. Yes, enjoyed it. That was our interview with incumbent Wilmington Council member Neil Anderson. I'm Ben Schachman. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Newsroom, and check out our other Canada interviews at whqr.org or wherever you get the Newsroom as a podcast. <laughs>